Life Audio. Hey friend, do you ever feel like the busyness of life makes it hard to slow down and truly connect with Jesus? Do your priorities and passions feel jumbled and out of whack? Then join me this summer on my podcast, How to Study the Bible, as we dive into Spiritual Rhythms, a six-week series that will lead us through six spiritual rhythms to help us slow down and make space for Jesus in the busyness of everyday life. To guide us, I've put together a free downloadable six-week study available at NicoleUnis.com slash spiritual practices. The study will walk us through God's word as we learn to embrace daily practices that draw us closer to Jesus. Each week on the podcast, we'll walk through one spiritual rhythm that helps us discover how to spend intentional time with God, align our passions and balance our priorities, and make time and space for restfulness and celebration. Download Spiritual Rhythms for free today at NicoleUnis.com slash spiritual practices, and I'll see you on How to Say the Bible. Hey, you guys, welcome back to How to Say the Bible. I am really excited about today's episode because I have my friend Justin McRoberts with us. Justin, say hi to the people. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Okay, guys, Justin is... I'm going to pull this. This is actually straight from Justin's Wikipedia page, which is not something that everyone can say. Justin is a songwriter, storyteller, teacher, and advocate. He is a rare artist who blends artistry, honesty, and humor seamlessly. I pulled that because I think it's true. I love your writing. That's kind. And I love your work. So I'm really glad to have you. you on the show today. So I'm glad to be here. Does that sound like you? I just want to make sure. Did you need to add anything to that bio that I just read for you? God kept calling my heart. Like, I just knew he was my safe place. I hope people don't walk away going, wow, you're really awesome. More than like, wow, Jesus is really interesting. And he's really awesome. Everybody on this planet is dealing with some sort of what if. How does that one courageous decision affect the whole world? A ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. If you were encouraged by what you just heard, please search Trevor Talks on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. I would add so many things, but I can absolutely receive that. Seamlessly <laughs> is a little much, but I'll take it. <laughs> okay, I don't know what a different word is than seamlessly, just in, brokenly or <laughs> how we're going to say that, but I think you do a he, great job. I think something like he tries. <laughs> he tries, he tries, right. so I like that. So you've written a new book called Sacred Strides. It's just coming out when we're recording or like when we're going to air this episode. I'm super excited about it. And I love yeah. that you're addressing in your book this idea of work and rest and maybe a different approach that we can take to work and rest. So it felt great for the podcast because we oftentimes on this podcast dig into like one passage, but I feel like this <laughs> belovedness work and rest is kind of like 
the main deal yeah. when it comes to what God has called us to. So I'd love to just hear more about kind of your story on why this book and why now. I am someone who, how should I say this? I'm not like an extremist politically or socially, but when it, when I find myself like fully invested in something, when I find myself invested in things, I don't, I really don't like go half-hearted into things. Mm -hmm. So everything I do really does happen at a hundred. My social life happens at a hundred. My work life happens at a hundred. And so the, a lot of what I came to after years of like working really, really hard, independent music, planted a church, started running books, everything happened independently. I was tired because I was going a hundred miles an hour doing it, which I think you should. And then everything I read about rest, Sabbath keeping for the most part was it had this sort of antithetical push. It was like, there's an other side to this. It's like a counterbalance and it made work kind of an enemy to health that the problem is you're working too much. Yes. And I never believed it. Like I never, like I never, I, I, I was like, okay, I'll submit to this process. Like I'll learn to do the thing. I'll take 52 days a year off the calendar. I'll learn to Sabbath, yeah. which you, you know, I'm, I'm down with. <laughs> but what I discovered in the process was that it's not like work is this slog, this terrible thing that you have to do because Adam ate the apple and Eve told him the wrong thing. No, it's no work is as transcend can be as transcendent an experience as rest is. So it's not like work is the problem and rest helps you transcend life so that you can work and enjoy it. No, work can be a transcendent experience that connects you with the heart of the divine in the exact same way from a different angle that rest divorces you from some of the machinery that keeps you from having that transcendent experience of life and you can connect with the divine. I discovered that it's actually, it's not rest versus work. It's both things. And that they are the way Parker Palmer puts it. He says that rest and work emanate from the same source and they draw you back to that same source. So I wanted to write a book that was more story-based about like, I, I came through this doorway. I overcorrected. I came through this doorway. I overcorrected. And, and now I kind of see the whole, yeah. at least in my own life. Man, I, I love hearing that because I resonate with that so deeply because it does feel like somehow if you love work, then you must have like some sort of problem. You know, you, yeah. you, you're, you're too, you must have an idol. You're, you're not really like, there's sort of that sense that there's the people who know how to rest well, and there's people who know how to work well, but you can only be one or the other. And, you know, even right before this, Joe and I were having a conversation. I overscheduled myself today. I went like definitely too much going on. Joe was talking about how deeply he's like trying to get into Sabbath. So we're both in the conversation with you before you get here. Yeah. How do we do this? So you offer this kind of like different foundation that you call like living out of belovedness. And like that for me is what really caught my attention, not because I haven't heard about all three concepts, but the way that you put them together. And how did that kind of tell me more about where that came from and how we can understand God's design for our life from that place? My entrance into the practice of rest came from my love for came from my love for work, mm. and because because it happened that way, I didn't feel judged and like corrected as someone who had a problem. So the way you just talked about it, like yeah. if you're working that hard, it must be some sort of idolatry. Yes, and the way it was taught to me, and the way like ultimately the way the spirit of Christ led me into like a newness in life. 
had everything to do with like embracing the wholeness of who I am and that and that my desire to work well and make an impact was actually like a beautiful aspect of who I was. So I wanted to be effective, not because I wanted to make a name for myself, but because I loved to work. I loved to serve. I, I was I was learning to offer myself. And because I wanted to do that well, I had to learn to rest. So that's not the doorway I want to live in, where like I only rest so that I can become a better worker, uh-huh. right? I don't want to live there. But the grace that meets me there is quite literally the same grace that meets the 16-year-old kid that shows up at the Young Life Club because he's like, if I drink this gallon of milk, I might win $200. <laughs> and at, like we never begin those whole life, like deep transformational processes with the right motivations, the right information, the right knowledge, and the right wisdom. You always come through some doorway where grace meets you every single time. And so what that spoke to me was that this is not about learning to become more rested so that I can become a better worker. This is actually about being loved as a whole person. It's that God loves the whole of me and wants a whole version of me giving myself to him. That's how I came through the doorway. I love that. When you think about putting these concepts together, is there a particular aspect of scripture or passage or story that you feel like kind of captures that in a way that is the, the reason that you pulled them together? Yeah, so that it's more of a like a kind of like a collision of several things. Okay. The one is I never graduate from just being captured by the voice of the Father to Jesus upon baptism. You're my son. I love you. I'm proud of you. You're mine. Like this is like I just never graduate from that. Yeah. He hadn't turned water into wine. He hadn't announced his messiahhood to really anyone. Like he hadn't done anything. Yeah. I don't graduate from that. Like th- this is someone who's literally going to give the entirety of everything he has and do it in joy and excellence because it's rooted in the love of God. That's the, that I come back to it all the time. But long before that, uh, the, at, you know, the weaving together of all things, when, you know, the, the tail end or the, you know, the opening of Genesis, opening of second chapter of Genesis, on the seventh day, God finished all the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all the work that he had done. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And the, the way the, 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 the writer weaves together this relationship between work and rest just screams at me that this is one movement in the heart of the father. Like it's work, it's rest. They're related. They aren't, they aren't separated. It's not this just section about rest. He had, he's working from the, he's resting from the work that he had done. It's a singular movement that like philosophically informs me about how this actually should play out in my own life. I love that. So you've got, we've got all these like proof texts, right? We've got the way that Jesus enters into his ministry and the place of belovedness. We've got the way that God creates and the way he talks about rest and work. And then we know in the second chapter of Genesis, kind of it goes on and in verse, start in verse 15 to 20, we see God actually also, I just want to make sure that our listeners hear this, that while in the garden, before there was a fall, there was work. There was work. It was one of the things he was, was one of the things he, as a gift, yes. he gave to those he created was to take care mm-hmm. of the world that they lived in. Mm-hmm. So it says, let's see, right here in 15, the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And I just like love that again, just really making sure it's just the small sometimes things in Bible study that we remember the chronology of things like 
Okay, so before anything bad happened, all that was good involved the man not just resting, but also working. And so we've got like all these things sort of coming together. Why in the world then is this so hard for us? Like everything that we're talking about for this 10 minutes sounds so great. It's like, yeah, of course, this is beautiful. But yet we struggle and we strive and we're exhausted and we're anxious. And yeah, why do you think it's so hard to capture this? Hey, everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. And we're hosts of the Kynos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. The word Kynos means new, and that's exactly what we want to do on our podcast. Bring something new from what is old in our faith. And on this show, you might hear us explore topics like what the Bible has to say about student loan forgiveness, discuss how the satanic temple affects our view of religious liberty in America, or even question why is it that so many people are having rapture anxiety. To learn more about the podcast, go to lifeaudio.com. Well, for me, I know that it was because this, this was not the story I was rooted in. Like I, I was not educated in this story. This was not this was not my narrative. Uh-huh. And and even among the religious educators early in my life, this wasn't I wasn't drawn into a narrative of of wholeness. I was drawn into a narrative of being rescued from all the bad things in the world, which included work. The narratives we believe. So if I'm if I'm someone who's paying attention to to work and hustle culture. I'm getting punched in the face constantly about my limitations and that I can't the fact that I've that I, I can't work 23 hours and just take a quick nap is a problem. So I'm, I'm told by hustle culture that my limitations are problematic as opposed to being informed by the text, by the scriptures that say that your limitations are actually part of what it means for you to be human. Like that's actually part of your wholeness are your limitations. This is the narrative I was, I was living in. And I think it's a narrative a lot of us live in. It's not the biblical narrative. And even our religious teachers often use the biblical narrative to, to rescue us from things like work as opposed to allowing what the narrative actually does is to, to redeem things like work in the same way that we want to rescue people from sex, from politics, no, no, these, these aren't things to be rescued. These are things to be redeemed and made whole. Yeah. That's what the actual narrative does. Oh, man, I love that. So when you think about uh, a person who, for whom work is really, really drudgery right now, whether it's, these are the these are the things that come across like my desk that I hear, like, I'm not working in something that's in my gifting, or I'm constrained in my life because I'm caring for children or aging parents or something's happening where I don't like to have a lot of agency over my choices for a person like that. Where do you think this belovedness and work and rest can kind of enter into that story? Well, firstly, I, you know, if this is someone I'm talking to and let's say it's the person who's the second scenario that they're caring for parents who are aging one of the gifts that rest offers is the ability to, and the, and the perspective from which I can actually appreciate what's right in front of me. So if I'm, if I'm moving really, really quickly, constantly, part of what I miss is not just, you know, I don't just miss the next thing. I also miss like the sacredness of the thing that I'm in or the moment that just passed. So if I'm moving super fast and I've been moving super fast since I was in college, because by the way, that's how we train college students who have to graduate in four years and pay for all of it and blah, 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 blah. So you move so fast. Like what an incredible gift it might be 
to actually be the person. And I say this as someone who's in this phase of life at 50, like I, I, I get to be the person, get to be the person who receives my mom over the course of the last few years of her life. Like that's a sacred privilege. But in order to see that, I have to actually have like a moment yeah. where I pause and look at my life and take in the gift. So reverse engineering that rest as a practice. So it's not just a matter of like, you have so much, because this is the way I've heard it said, like you have so much going on, you can't not Sabbath. Yeah. Like, no, I feel I can't, I, I feel like I can't not Sabbath. Like, I feel like I, I, I feel, feel like fine I've got like, <laughs> I feel fine with that. But what I do know is that I, I, I don't have an appreciation for the things in my life that I know I should have an appreciation for. I know that. Yeah. So I'm going to recognize, I'm going to recognize my discontent as a kind of gift. And I'm going to follow that thread to something like, okay, I need more. What people say, I need more margin. Yeah. Let's talk about it. I need more white space. Let's talk about it. And like in that context, take the small, if I can grab three hours on a Tuesday that I'm going to practice rest, then let's take the three hours on a Tuesday and let's plant that in your life like a mustard seed and then like lean on the promise of God to do more with that than you could possibly imagine. But it begins with recognizing that that disillusionment, that frustration in you with how your life works. That might be you hearing from God about the shape of your life. And it's like the loving prod of like, I want you, I don't want you to just have to change. I want you to like the life you're in. And I want you to love and appreciate the things you have around you. Mm, so good. So I know from this conversation that rest is the one that didn't come, doesn't come easily for you, that you, you love to work, you love to serve, you love to be doing the thing. How did you grow in practicing rest? And what do some of those practices look like for you? Now, a lot of rest for me has to do with actually spending unfettered time with my kiddos. Mm-hmm. Like on a Sabbath day, which right now there are, there are Saturdays. They're not always on Saturdays. Uh, right now they're on Saturdays. On my Sab- Sabbath and Saturdays, like when I'm with my kids, I don't have to be anywhere. And they know I don't have to be anywhere. And so I get to just like be at the park. She calls it the Rainbow Park. It's, it's a park. It's like her favorite park. My bird, she's five years old. There's a park like 15 miles from here. And like there's, there's a park three miles from here. <laughs> But she's like, I want to go to this park. It takes an extra 20 minutes to get there. I'm like, hell yeah, we're going to the park. Yeah. Because I've got time for that. And I get to like do the joyful thing with my five-year-old kid and then and enjoy my five-year-old kid and all her five-year-oldness. So a lot of my rest practice looks right now like actually fully enjoying the gift of having a 12 and five-year-old and just developing that relationship and like being in it. Besides that, it looks like there are books I will only read on the Sabbath because I'm enjoying them that much. And I want to like, it's the kind of book you knew this. Like they're the books you're like, if I got 15 minutes, I can read that book and I'm done. Yeah. But then there are the books you're like, I really enjoy this and I don't want to put this down. Yeah. And so the, like I'll set aside books that I'm reading like just for the Sabbath. And then the last part is I get outside and I'll take like a really, really long exercise of, of some kind, just be in my body for like an hour and a half, two hours, jog, bike, go throw some things around if that's available to me. Those are main practices. The main one is spending time with my kids unfettered. The second one is like, there are things that I will enjoy. Mostly it's books that like I enjoy deeply and I get to on the Sabbath. And then the last one, pretty vital for me is I get to just go physically. Two hour bike ride, hour and a half run, 
because I don't have to be any, I'm not obligated to anything. Yeah. Well, I love to like, just, I love you sharing the specific practices because I think a lot of times people, first of all, like feel bad about resting, then they don't know how to rest. And then they're not sure who they are in rest. And I think you're offering us this like, hey, if you're beloved by God and he delights in you, then he's made you a certain way. And for for some that might be tinkering around in the garden or, or making a meal. For some, it might be, yeah, like a, someone on this podcast is like, Justin, you want to go on a two hour bike ride? Like that sounds miserable. And that's what's great about Sabbath is it, it does give us the opportunity to be ourselves. I'm, I keep looking at Joe. You guys can't, first of all, you can't see us on this podcast, but second of all, Joe's not on camera, but I'm thinking of Joe because he recently, we were recording a podcast and he's like, I just remembered how much I like to play. I've been riding my skateboard. And then he's like, I've been throwing a football around. And I was thinking about how easy it is as adults to basically fall out of any sort of joy in just being in the world without having to control the world or make something of the world. It's beautiful. And that's one of the one of the reasons I emphasize belovedness as a root to this is that belovedness, knowing that I'm loved by God, should set me free to practice things as opposed to feel like I have to get them right. Yeah. The Sabbath is an integral element to religious practice. Rest is a necessary part of being human. It's a commandment for gracious sakes. It's a commandment. It comes before killing people. It actually does. Like before, 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 before God says don't kill each other. It's like, take a day off. Because he's like, if you don't take a day off, you are going to kill each other. So you might kill each other. (laughs) Actually, there's a lot of truth to that sociologically. But the underpinning of the thing is that I, I, we find it in Christ where he says, like, listen, I, the, the Sabbath, you know, the guys come to, they're like, you guys are eating on the Sabbath. You're doing this thing. He's like, the Sabbath was made for you. That's actually true of all the commandments. So he, it's not just the Sabbath that was made for you. Right. No, no, no. Like, even the, 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 like, don't kill each other. I did that for you. The <laughs> God wasn't like, yeah, I just don't like murder. No, it's like, no, I don't want you to kill each other. That's a, that's a gift. And yeah. if you would not kill each other, it would be a gift to one another. Like it's a it's a gift that we're being offered in love that we would live in the shape of the divine that we might actually fully enjoy the lives that we're in. If I know that, then I get to practice something like the Sabbath, and it takes some depending on where you start, sometimes years to figure yourself out. In the same way, you get into therapy and you figure out like, oh my gosh, it's all this stuff to unpack. Yeah, yeah, homie, that's not going to be three sessions, right? You're going to need to go like once a month for a few years and then eventually you'll kind of get to the stuff about your mom. Yeah. But it's got to take a minute. So what belovedness does as a foundation is it, it is it annihilates the need to execute and success and, and succeed and nail it. No, this is a practice yeah. that is offered you for the fullness of your beloved life. So try it. If it works out, Great. If it doesn't work out, let's talk about why and try again. Yeah. And just make it a practice. Oh my goodness, I love that. Okay, last question for you. How are you different coming out of this deep investigation, even the reflections? And by the way, you guys, when you pick up Sacred Strides, it is such good stories. Like you're just a great storyteller. So for anyone out there who's like, oh, I try to read spiritual books, but I can't get into them. You'll love this book because it's so story driven. But I'd love to know, you know, after this work that you've done and coming into this place of of newness in the way you understand work and rest, how are you different? Like, how would I know you as different from from all that? I'm way more gracious with myself. I mean, when it's both things. I'm way more gracious with myself, and I really and I really want this 
And by this, I mean the things I'm getting to with the book. I really want this more so for other people that I care about. I'm more gracious with myself because I look back at my own history and be like, oh, homie, boy, you, okay, I gotcha. Uh, like I see myself more clearly now. And so I have grace for the moment I'm in because I needed it then. I probably need it now. I know that I do. So I, I just, I'm more patient and uh, present to myself. And I also, like the stories I get to tell about people I've worked with or journeyed with, some of whom I don't spend a whole lot of time with anymore. Again, it brings me to a consciousness of like, I'm with other folks now who are working in different facets of life. And I want it for them the way I want it for the people I just wrote stories about. So I'm more gracious and kind to myself and I'm more interested in helping other folks than I was. Oh, so good. I love that. Well, you guys, the book, Sacred Strides, great book. We'll link it in the show notes so you guys can pick it up. But Justin, thank you so much. I love just some different angles and perspectives that you've brought to scripture today for all of us. And you guys, as you're listening, go read that baptism story again. I mean, I think that's, for me, is such a place of reshaping identity and, and embracing that question. We actually talked about it on the podcast a couple months ago. So um, remember that, you guys, and also Genesis 2. If you want to go find that spot where God says that work is good, you can check it out there. Thanks for being with us, Justin. Appreciate it. My pleasure. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. I'm Dr. Lauren DeVille, a practicing naturopathic physician in Tucson, Arizona. In my podcast, Christian Natural Health, my guests and I discuss topics ranging from nutrition, sleep, hormone balancing, and exercise to specific health concerns like hair loss, anxiety, and hypothyroidism. I'll also interweave biblical principles as they apply throughout the podcast because true health is body, mind, and spirit. Listen to Christian Natural Health for free at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcast platform.